He's ready to worship the Lord this morning.
Revelation. Hallelujah. Out of the book of Revelation. Amen. Amen. John the Revelator saw, amen, into heaven. And he saw the elders, amen, bowing down and worshiping the Lord. And uh, Revelation says that the incense went up before the throne of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. And they cried, worthy. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Heaven is worshiping right now around the throne of God. We can join with heaven and cry, worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. We worship Him this morning tomorrow.
Amen. This is Mother's Day. We want to wish it, or wish all of our mothers a happy Mother's Day. Amen. We wish it all of our moms a Merry Service to do it, uh, but uh, just briefly, 
Uh, if you'll scan the QR code over here, it'll take you to the link that you can download the app and then follow all of these uh, instructions here on the front page, on this right uh, column over here. And then um, when you turn it around, it explains to you uh, the different ways that you can give and the things that are there. And over here, uh, and then on the, the, the other side, it uh, tells you some things. So it's not just for giving. So this app is going to connect you to literally everything that Judah Tabernacle is and Judah Tabernacle does. Um, so all of our events, any kind of uh, registration, any kind of uh, information that is uh, there, we're eventually going to be uh, live streaming uh, from a different source. You'll be able to get on the app and uh, listen to the messages. You can download the messages onto your phone. Uh, if you like a particular message or you enjoy a particular uh, guest speaker, you can go on there and you can uh, do that. It will also allow us to uh, send mass texts and emails once you get in on that app to where if there is an announcement, such as if the church is closed and through an emergency due to weather, uh, any of those kind of things, we can send everyone a text or everyone an email and uh, let them know that. Uh, there's, uh, you can get on here and you can volunteer for activities. You can uh, see everything, uh, that, again, that's taking place. You can get notifications for those of you that struggle with your memory or that say, I didn't know that was happening. It'll all be on that. And as soon as you look at that, you can click add to my calendar and that will bug you until that event is over. So there's yeah. no way that you can forget about that event, okay, or about that particular service or anything of that nature. Uh, and so our goal is, is if you currently use Cash App or PayPal, we really would like to uh, transfer over to this. And there are other things that we'll talk a little bit later in the future that you can uh, uh, the, the giving uh, on there, uh, the way to give, uh, you can choose what area of ministry, whether it be tithes or building fund, you can get to Care Connection, uh, you can give your first fruits, uh, you, can, uh, your, you can have the option if you want your, uh, your tithes or your donation, if you get paid the first of the month, in the middle of the month, then you can set that to automatically, there's recurring payments, just like everything else that uh, for those of you that say, I forgot to pay my tithes, or I forgot this, this will help you not forget. Uh, and so there's a lot of things on there. Uh, on the app, it will also connect you. We have a new website. Now, let me tell you, that website is not completely uh, finished and updated. It is running, and it is open. And uh, here in the next few days, uh, if you go to gtabernacle.com, uh, uh, in the next few days, it's going to take you right directly to the new website that is on the app. So you can get on the website uh, and through the app as well. Uh, visitors can fill out visitor information. Uh, so many things that uh, literally that you could do on this. Uh, one of the other great things about it is that there will be text to give. So you can... Uh, you can literally send your giving through a text. So you type in a number, that number is on here. So you can type in, uh, you can send a text and give your offering or your tithes uh, uh, through that number, text to giving. Now just uh, keep in mind that that's not going to be available until next Sunday. Uh, and so the text to giving is not available yet. But all the other ways of giving uh, on there are. 
But let me tell you what you do need to do is when you download the app, make sure that when it asks you if you want to transfer to from uh, the church app icon to the tabernacle, make sure you say yes. So that's what's going to show up on your, on your phone. And then you need to go on there and sign up, uh, on make your own account on your app. And that way, all of your information and everything that's there is encrypted and all of that good stuff, just like everything else, will, will be on that. But please make sure that you sign up and create an account uh, on that app when you do that. And so uh, we're excited about being able to uh, change this and uh, bring along our giving uh, a little bit. This will make it easy for you and make it easy for us. Uh, you can manage your giving. You can print out your own statements. Uh, there's just a lot of things that you can do with it. So I don't want to take a whole lot of time, but please take advantage of this information on that. If you have any questions, you can see me or Zach. Zach is right there. And here we just see Zach. Amen. It's an appreciation for He's a new world. Taking care of all of this and managing and, and making sure that all of this is being able to happen. So we're appreciative of that. So we're excited about that. And we want you to take advantage of it. Amen. Uh, and do that. Now you can still give. Uh, the old-fashioned way through the tithing envelopes and writing checks. Someone says you can't do that or get cash from out of cash to search. Amen. So, uh, but I'm just telling you that uh, for those of you that already give online, this is much simpler. Plus, even if you don't use the giving, download the app so that you can stay connected to uh, everything that's happening. And uh, it'll be a blessing and you'll see as you begin to navigate it and move forward. So, we're thankful for that uh, today. So, now we're going to let you give, amen, praise God, if you've already downloaded the app, you can do that, uh, amen, but if uh, we want the uh, ushers to come and get ready to receive the tithe and offering this morning, so if you uh, want to give to the Lord, uh, we're thankful for that today, and uh, here at Jesus Tabernacle, what we ask you to do is to uh, help us by not only giving, but uh, that's given to the Lord, we want you to help us, amen, allow the Lord to give back. Uh, amen, as a result of obedience by making this declaration. And that's where we ask you to participate with us and to make that declaration. And so uh, we're going to make this declaration today as we get ready, amen, to allow you to give. So everybody, if you would please, standing if you're able, and make this declaration together. We faithfully bring our tithes, offerings, and gifts today. We understand it is a seed in our hands being sown in God's kingdom. We recognize the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the source and provider of our seed. Today, we declare a supernatural release of God's favor in every area of our lives, jobs and job promotions, original ideas, unexpected financial gain, the wealth of the wicked into the hands of the righteous, debt cancellation, as well as healing and deliverance for the mind, body, and spirit. We declare this offering to be light to the darkness of this world, a harvest of souls and finances in this ministry. We proclaim the floodgates of heaven are open over Judah Tabernacle in this last day revival. God has blessed us for the sole purpose of blessing others. We will lift your offering and your hands today. Father, we bless you. We thank you this morning for the purpose that you have placed in our hearts to be in your house today. We thank you for everyone that is here this morning. We thank you, God, that their desire is to worship you, to be in your presence. Father, we're asking you this morning, as we bring our offering once again, we want you to know that we recognize you as the source of all that we have. And we want you to be glorified 
and honored through our giving today. Father, I pray that as we bring our offering, that you would receive it, that it would be multiplied, that it would be increased a hundredfold according to your word, according to the dimension of heaven that only you can fathom, not that we can even comprehend in our mind, but God, that you can see fit and you know how once it moves into your hands. God, I thank you today for every time that you have given us a promise and for every promise that has been spoken over this house and over every home, every family here today. I thank you, God, that we have watched some of those promises come to pass and we're seeing you move in a supernatural way. But, Father, we give you praise for those promises yet to be fulfilled. Father, we thank you because we know that you're going to fulfill and complete that which you have already spoken. Father, we thank you that this house is debt free. We thank you, Father, that you are going to provide to build the new worship center. God, that it is your hands and you are using your people to bring about your plan. Father, I pray that you will let a fresh revelation of who you are come to those today as they give, that they might understand the depth of your grace and your love greater than they ever had before. Let this offering be used to bring revival. Let it be used to bring light to darkness. Let it be used to reap the harvest, to bring change and victory to those who are broken, lost, and wandering, not knowing where they are headed today. Be with them. Use this offering for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's bless the Lord. Amen. Continue to worship us.
my mom passed away, amen, but uh, I'm thankful today, and we appreciate uh, there's some of you, amen, that uh, you were raised by someone else who uh, did not give birth to you, but uh, they became your mother, and they raised you, and uh, so there's a lot of different things, some are, have, uh, have women in their life that uh, are a mother figure to them, and there's just a lot of things that uh, a man can uh, be brought into uh, a man being a mother. And so celebrate motherhood in the way that you, uh, that applies to you in your life today. And I will say this, if you have your mother with you, make sure that she knows how much you appreciate her. Make sure she knows how much that you love her. And if you can, I know some of you cannot, but if you can, Hug her. Let her know. Amen. And appreciate her today. So we're truly thankful for all the moms. We have something for every mother as you leave today. Make sure that you go through the foyer there and uh, make sure that you get something. But every year, you know, uh, years ago, we used to uh, do something for the oldest mother, the youngest mother, the mother with the most children, the mother with the most children present. And probably, I, I believe it was maybe 2007. Uh, we just decided that we were going to break that uh, churchy mold. We were going to break that religious, and that's how I grew up. Maybe you did, but that's how I grew up uh, in, in, in church. And so we decided we were going to, uh, we were going to uh, prayerfully choose about four ladies uh, and just uh, recognize them and honor them as Mother of the Year uh, here at Judah Tabernacle. And uh, so that's what we've done now, amen, for the past 16 years or so, and so this is about the 16th year that we've done that, so uh, we're going to do that today, and you know, a lot of mothers deal with things in their family, they deal with things in their home, they deal with things that many of you don't know about, a lot of times uh, as pastors we know, and we're privy to uh, knowing some things that they deal with, they suffer loss, or they suffer uh, heartache, or they suffer broken uh, relationships. There's things that uh, maybe many of you do not know. There's things that some mothers endure and they go through uh, and to be able to uh, be the mother that they need to be. Some some mothers end up uh, as grandmothers, raising their grandchildren, just different things like that. And so uh, there's nothing we carefully consider, uh, you know, those that we uh, that we recognize every year, so it's not, we just don't go out and, you know, randomly uh, choose, but again, sometimes there are things that stand out uh, to us throughout the year, so uh, today we want to uh, recognize the four mothers, amen, recognize them as, uh, amen, our mothers of the year, and so again, there's a lot, this is probably one of the, not probably, this is got to be the most difficult time to parent a child amen. ever in the history of my life, in the history of your life, amen. This is not to be one of the most difficult times to parent a child. Uh, the enemy is out to kill, still and destroy. He always has, but I will assure you that the focus and the target is for our young people, amen. And so it's hard sometimes to know the right thing to do, especially if you're serving the Lord and trying to nurture them. And so we honor again all of our moms. But our first mother today that we want to recognize as mother of the year is Gracie Nichols. 
this is something that, that we appreciate about. We've been pastoring 25 years now, and uh, when Grace came to us, Grace was a baby. She was a newborn baby, and now she's a, a wife and a mother. Amen. Amen. And so we're thankful. Amen. So it's a blessing for us to be able to, uh, to see that. And so we're thankful. We appreciate that. And that's the end of the year. I know she's here. I saw her. She's not in the room. Uh, but that's the end of the board. So it's like a family. So I just want to walk up the same line and make a big. Joy 
for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. But I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Acts 28, the last two verses, verses 30 and 31. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Amen. We're going to bless the shofars and we want you to give the Lord some praise for his word today. Come on, let's bless him. Let's shake this place for our praise. Come on. Thank you. 
Amen. Amen. What is also interesting is that Paul was not in jail for a real crime. Paul had not committed murder. He had not committed robbery. He had not committed treason. He had not done any crime that was worthy of being arrested and put in jail. And his captors knew this. They knew that Paul was not a criminal. They knew that Paul was not one that was a man that they could not trust. They knew that he was not one who was breaking the law. And they understand this. Hallelujah. But you see, the Apostle Paul was simply put in jail because he preached the truth. Hallelujah. See, what you got to understand is that the church in Philippi, amen, this was in the Roman, amen, province, and the church in Philippi, there were people there, others who were preaching and teaching. It's not like Paul just showed up, amen, and began to preach the first message. But the church, amen, was already established, and there were people, there were Christians, if I could say it like that, amen, that were preaching and teaching. But when Paul came, Paul began to preach things that none of those preachers all would preach or teach. Paul began to preach the whole council. Oh, Jesus, come on, somebody help me in this place. I'm just laying a foundation. Paul began to preach the whole council of the gospel. He began to preach some things, amen, that they were not familiar with, some things that would cause them, amen, to maybe think about what they were doing, to maybe second guess their choices and their decisions. If I can say it like this, the anointing that Paul preached with brought real conviction. Amen. It brought something that, amen, just the average preacher or teacher did not bring. See, it wasn't, amen, a feel-good or a fuzzy motivational speech. It wasn't about, always about how well you are loved or how good God is. Amen. It was about the fullness and the truth of Jesus Christ and walking in the full counsel. Amen. And so these preachers didn't like the fact that Paul come preaching, amen, of Jesus that they were not familiar with. And so they began to rise up in jealousy and they began to, amen, consider him a threat. Can I tell you that if hell has set an assault against you, your mind, your body, your family, your finances, your spiritual life, if you feel like that you have been assaulted, it's because of there is a threat. Hallelujah to a man, the mundane. You have become a threat. How you live, how you worship, how you serve, how you testify, what you do has become a threat to hell. And the enemy is going to do anything that he can to try and prevent that. Hallelujah. So Paul's captors knew that he was not a criminal. So he wasn't dangerous. He wasn't dangerous. He wasn't someone that was going to uh, uh, murder someone or, or, or go out in man and commit uh, man robbery and those kind of things. They knew that he wasn't. Hallelujah. But the Bible tells us when you understand, amen, stay with me this morning. When you understand the circumstances, amen, of, of Paul and where he was at, amen, when you understand the history, amen, Paul was chained to an imperial guard. Even though Paul was not a criminal, Paul still had to wait, amen, to
to be put on trial. Hey Amen. Paul did not get a notice. He didn't get a, an email. He didn't get a notice in the mail to tell him you must appear before the judge on such and such date at this specific time. Paul was arrested. He was put in confinement and he was told that you're going to go before the emperor. You're going to go before the judge but we don't know when that's going to happen. Amen. So he had no idea how long he was going to be there. He had no idea what was going to happen while he was there and he certainly didn't know what was going to happen when he went before the emperor. Amen. But until he was called amen to go before amen the emperor. He was chained to an imperial guard. Now you've got to understand that the imperial guards amen were what was called the praetorian guard. The praetorian guard was the guard of the emperor's palace. The praetorian guard, hallelujah, was one who was, amen, considered, hallelujah, amen, a part of the emperor's palace. It was a Roman guard, amen, that praetorian guard, that imperial guard, that the readers of this letter would understand what was happening with Paul. Amen. So you got to realize that we're not the first one to read this letter. Amen. Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, and they read the letter before it was ever printed in the Bible. Amen. So as they're reading this letter, amen, that Paul is writing to them, they're getting an image, and they understand how the Roman law works. Amen. So they realize that Paul, amen, was a, a, a connected, or Paul was chained to an imperial guard or the Praetorian Guard. Now, the Praetorian Guard was considered an imperial legion. Amen. There was about a thousand men in each of those legions. And the, in the Praetorian Guards would serve for up to 16 years. And they were considered, amen, amen, among the most elite in the state. And so they were not only, amen, they weren't just a corrections officer. It wasn't just someone who guarded, the, amen, the prisoners. It wasn't just someone who worked for the justice system. But they literally were the emperor's guard. Amen. They became so important and so elite, hallelujah, that they were considered a part of the emperor's household. And so these weren't just uh, prison guards, these weren't just uh, correction officers, amen, uh, who, uh, amen, just uh, received a paycheck, but they were wealthy, uh, amen, they received uh, about 1,500 denarii, which were the Roman silver coins, uh, amen, uh, hey, and, and they also worked, uh, amen, not only were they the guards uh, in the prison or the jail, uh, and not only were they the emperors, uh, amen, uh, personal guard or bodyguard, but they also worked in what we would call the secret service. Amen. They also worked in special forces. Amen. These Praetorian guards would engage in espionage. They would engage, amen, in intimidation. And they would make arrests and they would kill just to protect the emperor. They would also often disguise themselves as average citizens, amen, in 
order to secretly execute those who they judged were a threat to the emperor. Amen. And so these guards, you stay with me this morning, these guards, amen, were not just prison guards, amen, or just the average person. Amen. And so you got to understand, amen, who the apostle Paul was being guarded by. And so he was chained to these Praetorian guards. And the readers of the church of Philippi, they would understand this. Amen. The Bible tells us that Epaphrodites, amen, brought Paul a letter from the Christians in Philippi. Amen. So this letter was a response to a letter that they sent to Paul first. Now we have no record that I know of of that letter that the church of Philippi sent the apostle. Paul, but when we look at the context of Paul's letter, when we see what Paul is saying in response, amen, it suggests to us a little bit of what they might have said to Paul. Hallelujah. They might have, amen, been concerned about Paul's well-being. They might have said, hey, Brother Paul, we're praying for you. We want you to know that we're concerned about you, that we haven't forgotten about you and that we love you. See, there was affection between Paul and the church at Philippi. Because I read to you in the scripture, amen, when Paul said, hallelujah, he said, again, from the fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Because you see, the church at Philippi was birthed in another jailhouse. Amen. Because you remember when Paul was in jail with Silas. And they put him in jail. And they had been beaten. Amen. And they had been, amen, abused. But they were in that jail. But along about the midnight hour. Amen. Paul and Silas began to offer up praise. And began to sing unto the Lord. And the Bible says that when their praises went up. Hallelujah, that there was a response to Paul and Silas' worship. And the Bible says that response was that the earth began to quake. And it quaked such that the prison doors flew open. And the walls of that jailhouse, hallelujah, came down. And the prisoners that were being held captive were set free. And it goes on to tell us that the jailer... Were saved. That was the first day that Paul was talking about. That's when the church at Philippi was birthed. So you gotta understand the relationship, amen, that Paul had with the church at Philippi. Hallelujah. And so many of those that were reading this had an affection and a love for Paul. And Paul reciprocated that love and that affection. So we got to realize as that as they're reading this response and they read what Paul is saying, they would have understood, amen, that Paul would have been chained up to a Praetorian guard. Hallelujah. They would have understood what was happening with the Apostle Paul. Hallelujah. And so many, even I believe, according to history, that many of the readers probably had family who were veterans to the Praetorian guards. Amen. So that not only did they 
understand the law, but they understood, hallelujah, what the process meant for that Praetorian guard. Hallelujah. And this happens to be the only epistle that mentions these elite guards. And I'm going somewhere today and I want you to hear me because I believe the Lord's got breakthrough for somebody in this house. Somebody and say you only attempt.
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. But Paul's response was to give them encouragement. Amen. Because you see, perhaps they wrote, don't worry, Paul. It's going to be okay. Don't worry, Brother Paul. Everything's going to be all right. Amen. Maybe they said, you know, we know from your past that prison walls and chains can't keep you down. Amen. Those things can't keep you down. So Paul, we just want to encourage you. We're praying for a miracle. And that those chains break. And that you are free. Hallelujah. See, here's what you got to understand. The Apostle Paul felt a man of depression. The Apostle Paul felt despair. He was in places. The Bible says that Paul suffered greatly on many occasions. He was whipped. He was beaten. He was hunted down by assassins. At one point, he was stoned and left for dead. Hallelujah. And so at times, he felt depressed. And he felt despair. But see, he knew that nothing was hopeless when it came to God. He knew that God was in control. And that it was nothing hopeless. Whether I'm in bond or whether I'm free. He said, I'm going to give God praise. Whether it's good or whether it's bad. Sure. 
this message. He said, but I would that you should understand this, brother, that the thing which has happened unto me, this that is going on, I know you're praying, and I know you're concerned, and I know that you know that I've been in jail before. But he said, the things which have happened unto me is only for the reason to further the gospel. That was only for the purpose. 
And he received all that came into him. Even though he was under house arrest, there were no restrictions. Paul had joy. Paul had victory. Paul had the real Jesus. That even though that God's will had sent him to a place of desperation and a place, hallelujah, that he did not like. Hallelujah. Paul knew that he was only a tenant. That God had only rented that circumstance for him just a little while. If I can say it like this, God took the jailhouse. He rented a jail cell and made it a sanctuary for revival. Listen to Paul pray. They didn't have a choice. If they were to let him go, they would have been. 
will of God takes us to places. And we are chained to situations and circumstances. We stop praying. We hold back our praise. We grumble and we complain. I have a new favorite word. It's kvetch. Kvetch means complain. If you're a kvetcher, you're a complainer. Look at your co tomorrow when they start grabbing and complaining and say, Quit your convention. <laughs> and I say, What's that? I'm glad you asked. And let me tell you what the Bible says about that. You're seeking death and curses on your life. Come on, somebody. Do you hear that? Paul could have sat there and been a convention. He could have for two years. And what would have happened to those guards? But they had to listen to Paul pray. And he didn't ask him the permission. Hallelujah. It's their fault he was there. So he would pray.
And through the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, we can be gentle, long-suffering. They saw the gentleness of Paul. They saw his courage. Can you imagine if they had to go to the jail and Paul sees another prisoner? Paul starts telling him, you don't have to die like this. Let me tell you about life after. Let me tell you about a promise that we have. Because you see, Paul knew that if I die here, I'm just going to be in the presence of the Lord, right? That's what Paul knew. Praise God. See, Paul is not just an ordinary prisoner. You've got to understand that you're not just an ordinary prisoner. God was using Paul to preach to the finest regiment in the Roman I don't think Caesar would have sent for Paul to come hold revival in the palace. I don't foresee him saying, won't you go, won't you go get that evangelist, that, that brother Paul everybody's talking about, having come, I, I, I believe I'm not having preached a few days. But instead, God placed him in a, in a position, the will of God put him in that situation to where now he's preaching to the finest and the wealthiest and the most elite in the Roman army. The palace. God rented Paul's prison to use him to give him a pulpit to preach to the palace. And see, this is going to be an encouragement to the Philippians. This is going to be an encouragement to them when they start reading the southern man and read what the apostle Paul says. Because yeah. God was allowing this to happen. God said, you must preach in Rome. He goes to preach in Rome, and bam, he's arrested. And now he finds himself being held. Let's see. Paul said, what's chained to me has to listen to my praise. That's what I said. What's attached to you, if what's, if what's upon you is not the will of God, if you're really praising the Lord, that thing's going to go. Because they don't want to listen to that praise. But while God's allowing you and those circumstances and the turmoil and the valley and the trouble, the prison, whatever it is, the circumstances, it has to listen to your praise. It has to listen to your worship. It does not. Have a choice. See, you're only a tenant and not a resident. It's only being rented out for a certain period of time. God's renting your trial. God's renting your circumstances. He's renting your mess up marriage. He's renting your mess up life. He's renting the circumstances 
that have come against you. He's renting the jail and the prison that you are in for a revival center. And he's using it. You say, well, how can I further the gospel? It's called your destiny. It's called your growth. It's called the promises of God that are over your life. It's called the calling of God that's on you. That's about repentance. Some of you don't understand why you're on a short chain to the circumstances you're in. Because God's trying to show you, I've called you, and I have not revoked that calling on your life. And you can sit and serve. Who am I talking to today? You can sit and serve after service and avoid and override the conviction. But eventually, hallelujah, you're going to have to get into it. When you understand that God's got you there to further, amen, the growth of the gospel. Because here's the thing. Hallelujah. Imagine, amen, amen, when their ship was up and they switched ships. Hallelujah. And that new guard went in. Now that guard that sat with Paul on that ship, amen, had to go home. Amen, had to go back to his house. Hallelujah. Now imagine sitting at the dinner table. Amen. And his wife is saying to him, how did it go today? Well, we got this prisoner named Paul. And this prisoner named Paul, all he wants to do is talk about Jesus. All he wants to do, he's under house arrest. And he just prays all the time. If he ain't praying, he's praising. Whoever comes to see him, he, he teaches them. He's got so much knowledge and wisdom and he's teaching them. And it's getting on my nerves. And I have to listen to it. People are crying and praying. Some of the people that come and see him are giving their life to Jesus. There's things that's happening. There's things changing. He doesn't ever seem to be depressed. He doesn't ever seem to be discouraged. He's got so much joy that it's just driving me crazy. Thank God that my next ship is not for another couple days. I leave that when he goes back to the Apostle Paul. Hallelujah. What's happening? Paul's doing it again. And now when they go, amen, to the, amen, to the corridor with the guards, the guards are now all talking about who's got Paul. What ship you got Paul? I got Paul this week. I got Paul tomorrow. You got Paul. I'm sitting here hearing what Paul's got to say. Because you know, amen, that is scientifically, once you hear something, amen, so many times, you're going to start believing it. So now, amen, after several days, weeks, months, amen, and a year has passed, and they keep going back and they keep hearing the gospel, hallelujah, when they lay down at night, they're going to hear Paul's voice. Some of you hear the devil's voice, but they can hear Paul's voice. Now you know what's going to happen? We're going to start thinking, you know what? He might be right. I believe he might have a point. And then when their faith begins to open up, and their eyes, amen, and the veil comes off of their eyes, and now they're believing, well, amen, maybe he's got a point. The next time Paul prays, and he starts praying in the spirit, oh, yeah. Something starts happening on the inside. And what they believe begins to leap inside of them. Conviction starts to set in. And they heard somebody pray the sinner's prayer over and over. Now they're going to say, I believe that this is real. I believe that this is happening. And now when they go home, hallelujah, amen, they know who Paul is. Hallelujah. Now they have repeated. 
believe it. And now their faith is starting to rise. I was somebody, if you talk to your family as much about the word as you do the devil, and as much about things that don't matter, there might be conviction set in your household, and you might see, you might see Bobby Joe and Sally Sue show up to church with you. You might see a change in the atmosphere. And come on, somebody, who am I talking to today? Now revival's breaking out among these elite wealthy people, and there's nothing that the devil can do about it. You say, well, I don't, I don't know so much about that. I'll give you Bible. The news begin to spread from guard to guard. And to the families guard. To the families of the guards. See, we spend more time talking about what the devil's done. Well, yeah. Or no, We spend more time talking about what the devil's doing than we do what God has done. Because God's already done what you needed to do. You just got to lose it. Whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is already loose in heaven. You don't need to pray for a miracle. Miracles are already in existence. You've got to lose a miracle over your life. You've got to lose some on somebody. Do you hear that? Hallelujah. When you bind hell, hell's already bound in heaven. You don't have to go through a deep cross. Somebody better help me in this place. You spend more time talking about what's been done to you than what God has done for you. And then you wonder why. Because when you hear yourself say something, you begin to believe it. Hallelujah. What are you believing today? You say, that's awful harsh. No, it isn't. There's breakthrough for you in your household. It is not the will of God for you to say something for everything to say mess up. It might be the will of God for a while, but you're only a tenant. You're not a resident. God is only rented out for a little bit of revival. And when the revival happens, hallelujah, he's going to break you out. And so, now word has gotten to Caesar's household, which is the emperor. Now the, the emperor is hearing about these changes. I believe, I know for a fact, according to the word, that there were guards that got saved. The families right. got saved. And word was getting back now to Caesar's household. See, that was going to give courage to the brother of the yeah. Paul could have talked about his chains, but he didn't. Instead, he encouraged them because of his chains.
the chains in there. Hallelujah. But he talked about, amen, he encouraged them because of the chains. He said, don't let offense happen. I pray that, that you stay bold and that you stay until Jesus comes, that you are stay secure and steadfast. Because he ended this Libyan letter by saying, All saints greet you. He ended the letter. And he said, All saints greet you. Especially those in Caesar's house. What do you mean, saints in Caesar's household? That means that there were some people in Caesar's household that got born again. Yes. That means there was revival in the emperor's palace. And it would not have happened had God not allowed the apostle Paul to spend two years on a short chain to the, to the praetorian guard waiting for trial, not knowing what it was going to happen, but knowing, hallelujah, that eventually it was going to happen. Some of you sitting and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to get the breakthrough. Hallelujah. You've got to praise him anyhow. You've got to pray anyhow. Because God's only rented that place. God's only rented this season for you to have a revival center. So that, God, somebody help me. And you say, well, what if I get put on trial? What if you do? Heaven's court has already decided you are the victor. you got to Shut 
and declare the goodness of God in your life. You don't really attend it because it's not permanent. Some of you think that you're stuck in this place that you're in for the rest of your life. I've come to tell somebody it ain't over. It is not over. As they come to the music, understanding today that this thing that you're going through does not have you on a short leash. You have it on a short leash. It's not holding you captive, you're holding it captive. Therefore, it has to listen to your praise. Some of you sitting here right now, there don't need to be another word spoken, there don't need to be anything else done. The conviction power of the Holy Ghost is moving in your spirit right now. And you feel the Lord calling you to respond to this word. For some of you, you're not saved. Jesus Christ is not your personal Savior. He's not Lord of your life. For some of you, He was at one time. But for whatever reason, you've allowed the joy and the peace to escape. I told them last night, I preached last night, I told them last night. You know I've said it here. Peace is a weapon. Peace is not something that you get a little bit of when you come up. Peace is not relief. Peace is not something you get a little bit of relief when you come to the altar of prayer. You're surrounded in the glory of the Lord and the presence of God. And then you go away and then two days later, bam, that mess and torment and turmoil is all right back there. That's not the real peace of God. You've got to touch in the glory of the Lord. Peace is a weapon. When you've got the true peace of God, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing is able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Your faith is established, and you can fight the enemy with that peace when you're in jail for two years, when you're in a season, when you're in a wilderness and you're chained to your circumstances, and it looks like you're just waiting for an answer. You're waiting to get a word from heaven. Hallelujah, but you still got to praise. You still can preach. You can still rejoice. You can still say yes. You say, but I need healing. Don't you know that during those two years, amen, that's when the Lord wants to heal you. Some of you got so many soul wounds in your body, in your life. Hallelujah. You need to allow the doulous power to bring healing into that. You need to drive out those demon spirits that have been held captive in your life because of those soul wounds. And then you need to let the ball of Gilead, the resurrection of Jesus, begin to flow into those wounds. That woman for 12 years with 